This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You guys are spoiled. You guys are lucky to have these guys. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. It's a lack of leadership. It's a lack of conviction. It's athletic directors while they're negotiating with a prospective head coach, looking at their phone and reading Twitter and reacting to what fans are saying. And on one level, that's nice. But on the other level, that's not what leadership is about. I believe that was Paul Feinbaum of ESPN talking about the disaster that is Tennessee football right now after uh, the volunteers had backed out of a memorandum of understanding, which basically is an agreement to a contract with Ohio State defensive coordinator Greg Schiano to be the next head football coach. Uh, it was signed by both parties Sunday in Columbus, Ohio, and Tennessee had planned to introduce Schiano at a news conference Sunday night, but before the sun went down, uh, Twitter and social media and protests erupted over Shiano's ties at Penn State That's to amazing. the Jerry Sandusky scandal. And before sundown, basically, that memorandum of understanding was not worth the paper it was printed on. There's so many prongs to this. I just kind of said this isn't a, a segment on Radio Sports Talk. We could do a day-long symposium in a college lecture hall about this. I, I mentioned it. You, you can you can say what you want about Greg Shiano as a football coach. Uh, he wasn't their first choice. They went through a bunch of them and landed on him. He's he's fine. He was great at Rutgers. He was bad at Tampa. Tampa, and I, you know, he was okay. Well, I think only one year as Ohio, maybe two years two, as Ohio. Two State's seasons at Ohio defensive State. Defensive coordinator. Um, say what you want about that, and that's. That, I think that what triggered this was a lot of the fans in Tennessee didn't really want him. Well, they're bitter as it is. Yeah, sure, and rightfully, and and they had their heart set on any of these other five people, and they land with Shiano, so they're ticked off. So then somebody lights the fuse about, well, wait a minute, he was at Penn State when this went on, and the only piece of evidence, and I know this is a hot-button topic, and, and I certainly don't want to make it sound like in any way I'm defending Jerry Sandusky at all. Because you never want to be doing that. No, or by extension, those who help cover him up. Yes. I don't know if Greg Shiano was in that category. I don't know. He might be. I don't know. We don't know. The Tennessee fans, I'm pretty sure, don't know. I don't think any of them have vetted this and investigated this. And I don't think Ohio State, if they knew that they knew they would have hired him, or if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would have known that he was complicit, would have hired him. Tampa Bay general manager, then general manager, Mark Dominic. I should find the tweet. I had it earlier. It came out in support of Shiano last night. Yeah, and basically we, said, Here it is. We spent it. hours and hours interviewing and background checks on Greg Shiano. Yes, we didn't win. Fact, he's honest, awesome father and husband, and an excellent football coach. This shouldn't be whether you think you like him or not. You don't even know him. That was from Mark Dominic, who had hired him in, in Tampa, and, and it was, ended up being a failed tenure. 
if Greg Schiano had anything to do with what went on at Penn State and covering up Jerry Sandusky's actions, he should have been punished then. He should have been punished when they came out. And he should have been scarred, tarred, and feathered and wouldn't have gotten these previous jobs. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, the man should work somewhere, but there should be some repercussions if he was implicit to what went on there. The only shred of evidence is one line in a deposition from, it was a he said, he said. And we know now, we know factually a lot of the talk about the whole Jerry Sandusky thing, and I don't want to rehash all this, but there was a lot of, mm, I'm not so sure that's how it happens, about who was involved and who knew what. Um, Joe Paterno, I think we know, knew more than he did and yeah, did, less, came out. did less than he should. Um, the president of Penn State got flushed as a result. How do you? I get it. You're driving the boat, but I don't. I didn't understand that part of it. So there isn't really any factual. Greg Schiano never took a stand. Was never deposed. Was never under oath. Denied it when asked by media. And sure, because of course he did. But he's getting. People are painting rocks in the middle of Knoxville saying... Shiano, quote, covered up child rape at Penn State, end quote. And this is on a, a rock in the middle of campus where students usually gather to write messages. Whoever painted that rock got Greg Shiano effectively fired. Because that, that picture that went out. Lit the fuse. And yep. then the protest happens. And it's where we are in the world. And I love a world where everyone has a voice. And there's accountability. Yes. Love it. But... Boy, are we wielding that power in strange ways. And who's we sometimes, too? We, everyone. Uh, those of us that have a amplified voice, you, me, we're sitting in front of a microphone. People follow us because of what we do on Twitter. But we, anybody, anybody that has access to social media, if they do it the right way or the wrong way, can light a fuse. And, boy, we're just, it's, I sound like Dan Lebitard. <laughs> it's just, I don't. I don't know how comfortable I am with the way we're wielding that power as a society. Well, right we're now. learning as we go. Right. I mean, this is a whole. This is the wild west. The social media. We are in the wild west right now, and people are firing guns. And there's not a lot of accountability once you fire that gun, um, because look what look what can happen. I mean, we've seen, and you know, it's funny, and we we don't want to draw too much into this too, but you know, the whole Me Too movement as well. Now, there's a freedom and a liberation. And a an empowerment that comes with being able to share your story of uh, of abuse mm -hmm. by men in power, let's say. So there's there's a freedom, and then there's a security level that's suddenly there that hadn't been there in years past because you weren't sure, you know, y y there was no way to crowdsource your security, you know, right. so to speak. Right. But there's a flip side to that too, and that there's a recklessness to it. And uh, you know, what Feinbaum was saying too was the recklessness is going to be out there. People are going to wield Twitter recklessly. The question is, are you in a position of leadership where you're getting paid and you've been appointed to that job? You've done your own vetting. Can you trust your process? And if you can't trust your process based on what you see on Twitter because somebody took a photo of a rock on campus that has something nefarious written on it, um, then why are you in that position? And you're cheating yourself, you're cheating your university, you're cheating your your constituents, and you're certainly cheating Greg Schiano. Um of your expertise. And I, you know, Feinbaum nailed it. Who takes that job now? I mean, that's, it was already. <laughs> it was a challenging job to I was going to say toxic. I mean, you've got a fan base that expects national championship quality and you don't. Look at how PJ Fleck, who seems like a wonderful human being and is doing his best, is getting killed here mm -hmm. after one year where there was nothing in the cupboard. How's Tennessee? 
SEC, they've got national championships in recent memory, less than a generation ago. And it's not their fault. Dan Mullen was going to Florida. Um, the Gruden thing, I don't know where that came from. I don't even know if that was serious. He just happened to be in Knoxville or wasn't, depending on what report, hanging out with Peyton Manning. Um, Scott Frost is is the hot guy that's going to find his way to wherever he wants to find his way. So now you throw that on top of it. Well, then you add this. I mean, you're not going to get a name now. You're not going to get an established Les Miles. I'll throw him out because he's been the popular name for the last two years for every college football joke. Yeah. Does he have any, and here too. Right, yeah. Does he have any reason to entertain? Depends on how desperate he is. How does he want? Well, how big does he want to get back to, into the show? But not that bad. I mean, there's other jobs. You'd think. Um, you almost have to find. But that. it is an SEC job too. But you got to wonder. It's like, who am I going to be working for? And how quickly will that change? I mean, you know, if, if I if I'm one in five, I mean, how 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 much security am I going to have in the people backing me? It's just such a mess. And how much is this going to cost? I don't know enough about contract law to know how much a memorandum of understanding. There's a reason you sign it. Um, this is, I think, exactly the reason why you sign it on both ends. Yes, let's figure out the details. But yes, well, they wanted him in there on Sunday no, night for a news conference, so this was not any. There wasn't going to be much more vetting to be done oh, here. I, I do have some experience with memorandums of understanding. The reason you do it is this is a done deal. Let's now negotiate in good faith. If something weird, ha- I don't want to tick you off so bad in the negotiation that you walk away from the table, vice versa. Yeah. So let's sign this thing. We're done. We're in. No matter what happens in this negotiation, we're going to make this work. Um, I'm in a business where we have those sometimes. And usually you do it if there's going to be, I don't know why you would sign it at breakfast and then not sign the contract at dinner. If they're going to announce him, if the press conference was going to be Sunday night, Sunday night I, I don't get that. There have been times where maybe there's a week or a two-week gap. You do that in case something happens to the person, at least on the employee side, in case something happens to the person who's made the decision to hire you. Who knows? Hit by a truck, fired, whatever. I I made a deal with that person. You build in some protections. I made a deal with that person who was representing the organization as a whole, and you, new guy, can't come in, or gal, can't come in and change it. I don't know why you... And I don't know the workings that far deep of how college football coaching contracts work. I don't know why you'd sign that in Columbus at noon and then have a press conference in Knoxville that afternoon, but they did. And it's going to cost them, I have to imagine, a lot of money. And You think it should have been further down the road? It should have sign been- the contract. <laughs> then you can tell. Then at least as the administrator. You have an out. You're, well, yeah, it's a done deal. This is our coach. Yes. We hope you'll support our football team. And there is a clause in there that I'm sure he can be fired for cause. If we somehow can dig in and find out that he lied or covered or did what this this lynch mob is saying he did at Penn State. Which Ohio State and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could not do and or did not do and at didn't. least. And, and it happens. George O'Leary famously at, at Central Florida went down and had the job and they're I believe had the press conference, and then it was only a couple days later they found out he lied on his resume, yeah. which is compared to what these people are accusing Shano of doing is is peanuts. But yes, at least then the contract is signed. Like, look, guys, we need you to support our program. He's a good guy, Mark Dominic, who hired him in Tampa Bay. They vetted him too. You don't have to take our word for it. Take his Urban Meyer in Ohio State, who are what we aspire to be. 
let's move on. Good to Feinbaum's point, Paul Feinbaum's point. Strong leadership would have done that, I think. Not put your finger up to the political winds exactly. at the time, or like you said, I don't know if he said, but looking down at your phone as the contract is being s- signed and then starting to waver. And that's just such a weird, you know, college football. You still here, even with the Gophers. I mean, PJ Fleck. I don't throw out what you think he can do with X's and O's and what he accomplished at Western Michigan. He got hired to put wind in the sails of a program that had none. And he's even said it. He, he's not squeaky clean necessarily in his personal life. And he said he's owned everything that's gone on. And it's, it's again, nothing compared to the accusations we're talking about sure. here. But even this guy who's the white knight riding in on the horse isn't perfect. And a year in is having growing pains, but that's why he was brought in. You need donors to write checks. You need season ticket holders to, to buy tickets. And it, I, I don't know how Tennessee bounces back from this. Well, yeah. What's your next candidate and what is that candidate going to want to say? And how I mean, mad is the fan base already going to be? You, you know, this is a smaller, this is kind of a, a, a small but boisterous faction, correct? Oh, incredible. So what I, about I, the boisterous, what about the silent majority, as they like to say? Well, and things like this can carry, and you mentioned it, we've seen it with with the, what's going on with Hollywood figures. Good. A lot of these guys had it coming to them for a long time and should have gotten it. Have there been a couple people, and I don't want to split hairs and, and get into this necessarily, but have there been a couple that maybe got swept up in the tide that didn't deserve what they got to the magnitude they got it. Um, again, I don't want to Possibly, split hairs and try but, people. Yeah. I don't want to try people on the sports talk radio station. But but that's where it gets weird here. You, you, you can't lump, you can't lump, you can't say Greg Schiano is Jerry Sandusky. Well, now, and you've also set a very, very uh, dangerous precedent, yes. too, because now anybody else that comes up and somebody finds something to nitpick and they can blow it up to this kind of level... Where is your credibility going to be as an institution? Where is your credibility going to be as a as an administrator and as a leader if you have to somehow take into account a small but boisterous protest movement every time you're trying to make a hire? That's what vetting does. That's what leadership does. Right. That's what authority does is say, this is our decision. We understand what you're saying. We've investigated that. As has Ohio State, as has the as have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we feel comfortable because he's our guy, and here's why. And, and I, stand up for it. And to your point, this is one of the top, easily top ten passionate fan bases in college football, and that's what makes this so weird. All right, we've done a lot of uh, football so far. Interesting baseball note coming on. Uh, someone who many thought. Might be part of the Twins' future, is no longer. We will talk about that coming up next. Ryan Murphy, Chris Long, Dave Harrigan. It's Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Okay. You gotta be in the know to know, you know? You gotta be in the know to know, you know? That's why you're listening to Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This one hit high and deep to center. Trout.
Chris Long with you here, filling in for Mackie and Judd, Dave Harrigan producing. Brian Murphy, what was your favorite moment from the Byung-Ho Park era with the Minnesota Twins? Uh, it must have been that point, or or maybe it was the time that uh, that he had a hurt wrist and we were asking about that, or maybe it was the time he was hitting 191, um, or maybe it was the time he did hit 12 home runs, but I don't remember any of them uh, being with runners on base. Uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, Twins fans... Um, I, I, I don't know the timeline on this last night, but I believe your colleague at the Pioneer Press broke the story. Mike, Mike Bardino, Bardino, yeah. Uh, the, the twins and those uh, working with and for Byung-Ho Park are negotiating his release so that he can return home and go back to Korea to play. Um, it ain't going to be cheap either. No. Well, he's walking away from, I think Mike said he's walking away from up to $5 million. $5 million this year, but... That's how miserable... <laughs> He was in Rochester. Yeah. Well, he was stuck there the whole way. And obviously this new regime didn't have much faith in him. They put him on waivers early in training camp or spring training. Um, he just never looked very comfortable in a major league batter's box. 62 games back in 2016. He hit 12 home runs, 24 RBI, and that's it. Yep. And he hit what, 190? Uh, 191. Couldn't get up to a major, major league fastball. Now, again, he had the wrist problem, but... Uh, despite what he was doing in Rochester last year, too, there was never even a sniff that he was coming back. That's the strange part about it. And I get you didn't want to mess with last year. I mean, Kenny Vargas didn't play as much as I thought he'd play last year, especially when, when Miguel Sano got hurt. Um, and I'm don't get me wrong, I'm not faulting the Twins at all for how they handled last year. But uh, for all the fanfare, when he came over, um, I don't even remember the accolades. Didn't he have a... I don't want to make this up out of thin air, but home run record in the Korean. No, yeah, he had all kinds. Of, he was their main guy. Yeah. He, was, he hit at least 50 over there, I thought. And there have been plenty of players that have come over from Japan, Korea, and been successful. Just now the Twins are oh, and two. big, fat 0 for 2 and are deep in the water of taking another swing. Right. Um uh, what it's a different name? regime, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and a different player, I think, this time. But we also said that with Park. Uh, I, 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 how do you, I, I don't want to say miss this badly, but that's a bad miss. Now, fortunately, he's leaving a bunch of money on the table. Well, he's he leaving. He's, he could have stayed here, but how is the translation? So you watch a kid in college. It's tough to say with high school prospects because that's, you know, you look at like Cole Stewart with the twins and what he was when he was a senior in high school. And now they didn't even leave him on the 40 man. So he's in danger of going in the rule five draft, but it, I don't scout baseball. So I'm not being accusatory. I'm actually asking this question truthfully. How do you miss this badly? Or how is it this hard to look at a guy facing whatever sort of pitching he was facing in Korea, whether you're seeing it live or you're seeing tape or whatever. And it projects out that he didn't just struggle. He, he, he never had a shot here. And that I, I'm not faulting the twin scouts. It's it's sort of just baseball scouting as a whole. It's that inexact that you could see a guy who had this many holes, and you're you make a great point. Did the wrist injury change everything? We'll never know. But how can you not you twin scouts? How can anybody watching baseball? How is it that hard to break that code? Well, and you think about too, baseball is a game of failure, right? We always say that it's built on failure. You're mm-hmm. gonna the best ball players fail seven seven out of ten times at the plate. When he came over here, he didn't speak the language. You know, he didn't he didn't necessarily ingratiate himself that much. I think he tried, but I I, I think there was a barrier there set up both culturally and I think there was a barrier there 
clearly with his ability to catch up with the major league fastball. I mean, he was very uncomfortable in the box. I don't know when the wrist injury exacerbated that, but there was a sense that he just, he was a step behind. And like you said, how do you not see that? Well, you know, you come, you know, he was out of his comfort zone of the, of the Korean baseball, it's the CBO yeah. or the KBO. KBO. Yeah. So he comes here and now it's, you know, you're, you're dealing with failure. You're dealing with, uh, you know, a little bit of a culture gap. Where did he turn to? Where was his support network? Where was his support system? I mean, I'm not saying that he, you know, he should be given a free pass here. I'm just saying, uh, was this guy set up to fail? I know there used to be, it's, it's, I think it's better now. I certainly don't have any inside knowledge of it. I think it's better. It used to be Latin players up until about 10 years ago had the same problem. They would get into Major League Baseball clubhouses, and when things didn't go well, look at David Ortiz way back. When things don't go well, it is harder because of all that. You're kind of adrift. And I can only imagine that's got to be multiplied times 50 in the minor leagues where you're in smaller towns detached from... In his case, I mean, he was a rock star, I'm sure, I know, in Korea before he came over. It is a tough situation. Two different players, two different uh, countries, but was Nishioka a bigger failure or Park a bigger failure? I feel like they both came in with, for different reasons. I mean, Nishioka was the batting champ in Japan. Um, but he couldn't field his position, and that was, I, I think, what was more for, distressing more than the hitting woes that he had was the fielding errors. I have a vivid memory of the play at second against Cleveland, a throw to first that he threw while falling, and it was just, if you remember it, you know exactly the play I'm talking about. If you don't, ball came to him, and he had to range a little bit for it, but but just kind of booted it and kind of tried to throw it, and it flew into the dugout, and you're looking at it saying, Anyone That's that, not a major league play. Right. That Brian Dozier would never. Brian Dozier, if he tied his legs together, wouldn't look that bad making a play at second base. Now, we didn't know that then. Uh, ditto Park. You put him in the batting cage. A guy that did what he did against balls that were still coming at, you know, people throw 90 in Korea. But they don't throw 95 in, with movement, and it's not as mean, I think. It is, yes. You know, the, 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 the learning curve is far steeper, obviously. Yeah. But... It looked so bad, and he looked so lost. Do you? Do we? Had we're, are we guilty? We as scouts and Americans of thinking more of the KBO than maybe we should. Same thing with Nishioka. Plenty of players came over and made it um, from I mean, Japan. Da, even yep. Daisuke Matsuzaka came over and was great for three years, and then fell apart. Fell off the map. Um, maybe it's not quite the same well maybe and then again what you cannot scout or what at least what is probably difficult to scout is how will how will these overseas ball players settle settle yeah. and not only that how will they handle adversity how will they handle adversity at the major league level i mean that's something that maybe you can you can learn a little bit through the minor league system because it's set up so similarly but i, I to, to to understand how to manage failure that is what defines you as a ball player, uh, as much as how you handle your success, because you are going to fail as a major league player, as a major league hitter, at least seven times. If you're a good major league hitter, you're going to fail seven times out of ten at the plate. He obviously couldn't handle not only just major league pitching, but he couldn't handle the failure. And he couldn't hand, and, and then the injury came in, and he ended up having surgery, I think, in the back end of 2016 and was lost forever. 
he clearly did not impress the new regime in spring training because they waived him quickly, and and he was not impressive enough to ever be called up again. Going forward, it makes the Twins and all of baseball's pursuit of Shohei Otani so interesting. He's the guy, if you're not a deep baseball guy, and I'm certainly not, two-way player, pitcher-hitter. He is the next big thing that's going to come over from Japan. And the Twins are in that mix. And to reports that my guys downstairs had, they brought in a trainer who, I don't know if he is Japanese or worked in Japan, but has ties to Japan is how it was reported. Is that to help offset exactly what you're talking about? If if this guy comes over, at least he's got a wingman, an ally. Well, they both somebody. did. I thought Nishioka and, and Park both had some... Yeah, but it's one thing when it's their own guy yeah. as opposed to a team guy. Yeah. And I don't know how much an assistant trainer, but at least it's somebody. And you wonder if that move by the Twins isn't proactive toward that. And and just how I just, I, looking from the outside in, would never think that that's something that you It can't be to, that simple, is it? Right, right, right. And uh, maybe it is. But Otani would be a, a same trap when they were going after Nishioka. I said, this guy's great. He's going to be perfect. Great job, Twins. He's paid what you needed to. Same thing with Park. Go get that bat. Spend what you need to spend. Go well, do it. And the other thing is, too, you should be careful about saying, well, should they do it again? I mean, it's a different player, different league, different circumstances, different country, different background. It's easy to just paint it all as, well, they've, they're owing too badly in the Asian market. Why bother again? Well, you can't. You can't. It'd be the same thing with Latin America. I mean, back 15, 20 years ago, you couldn't just say give up on that market yeah. because you're 0 for 2. Yeah. If you're tuning in and wondering who the heck are these guys, he's Brian Murphy. I'm Chris Long. We're filling in for Mackie and Judd. Too much turkey for those guys over the weekend, so they're taking the day off. Dave Harrigan as well. Dave, stuff. Stuff. You got a preview? Stuff. I've got NFL stuff. I've also got football from the Great White North to get to, specifically halftime show at the Grey Cup. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Deep dive. And Bill Walton is everything good about college basketball. Outstanding. Next on 1500 ESPN. They need it now. Mackie and Judd now continue. They want it now. On 1500. Get it on. ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by Indeed.com. Are you hiring? Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. Post your next job opening on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. In sports, there's a lot of stuff you should simply be aware of. There was stuff going on that no one talked about. That's pretty heavy stuff. Let me show you some stuff. I don't do that stuff no more. This stuff can give you brain damage. And then there's the stuff you should know about. Lots of great stuff. This is the fun stuff. I love this stuff. Good stuff. Man, this stuff's good. This is that kind of stuff. I want to check that stuff out. Mackie and Judd now continues. This is very serious stuff we're talking about here. With stuff you should know about. Easily the best segment intro you guys deal out on Mackie and Judd. Easily. I'm the guy who does the segment, doesn't have my name, but that's fine. It's well produced. You can say that. The Scoop theme song is good. Love the Scoop theme song. It's a strong theme song. Yes. But that opens better. Well, I just I, saying, as somebody who values, I, I like production. I value production. It's diverse. Let's put it that yes, way. Yes, it's that. It's so diverse. It doesn't have my name in it. I'm getting it, it very was, bitter now that you just keep well, praising it. Was that Chip in there at the end? I it don't sounds know. like it's Chip ish. I don't think there's Chip. Man, whatever. It's someone with a drawl. If it's a Southern voice, it just, we just assume it's Chip, <laughs> yes, don't we? Yeah, yes, that's not fair. <laughs> Sorry, Chip, and Damn. everyone from the South. Damn balls. Right. Uh, Bill Walton was on the call. Phil Knight Invitational Championship game. It was Michigan State. It was UNC. The Spartans won it like 63 to 45 or something like that. Very low scoring game. But 
The Spartans have a fellow by the name of Miles Bridges on their club. You're probably you may have heard of him. Yeah. Really good player. He's really good, and it you know brings to mind a lot of things, doesn't it, Bill? Miles Bridges, who is not, I'm told, related to Lloyd or Bo or Bill, the Bridge School, the Bridge Benefit Concert, the St. John's Bridge, or the Golden Gate Bridge. There's a foul inside, and it's on Michigan State and Tillman. I love bridges. It really is the ultimate tool because it allows you to get someplace you can't get on your own. There's a lot of bridges here in Portland as well. 12 between the Willamette Falls and the St. John's Bridge on the north, including the Tillicum Bridge, which is the largest, longest non-car bridge in America. And you rode across it this week, didn't you, Bill? I rode a bike across it. So if you wanted your bridge lesson, there you go. Uh, for, for, yeah. for all the talk about bridges, Bill took out a hell of a lot of guardrail on that conversation, did he not? Uh... I mean, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you I, know, it was late in the game. We didn't see when it was in the game I, during know, the broadcast. Could have been, could have been two minutes in. Could have been two minutes in. I'm, I, I'll leave out my opinion on where I am on the legalized pot debate. <laughs> but I'll just say that my game was in Portland, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty sure Oregon's. I'm on bridges, Pretty man. sure it's legal. I love bridges. Pretty sure that's in the legal column these days. That, that's. I'm okay with it. I, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. That's what you're going to get. But it wasn't, you know, it was a stream of consciousness, obviously, but it, it didn't feel sloppy. No. You know, it almost felt like he came prepared. It almost felt like he brought that to the, the, the production no. meeting oh, the day you before. Know he, did. No. he had all the names. No. Have you been around people that smoke a lot of weed? Yeah, yes. That's sort but, of how they roll. Yeah, but it, it, there was a lot of specificity in there that I would have had a hard time believing if he was just going off the top of his head. The beginning of that came with 7.55 left in the second half. Michigan State was up 21 points. So okay, it was so, looking like it wasn't a game at that point. I, I always feel the worst for his <laughs> play-by-play part. I, I was just going to say. It was always Dave Pash last year when they did the Pac-12 games, and you know maybe that's the case. It'll be going forward here the regular season. Here, but- here's a steaming pile of whatever. <laughs> I'm going to drop it right in your lap, and you can segue to that. It's, it's like the first rule of improv comedy and similar sports talk radio. You just can't ever say no. Yes. You can't ever disagree. Don't deny the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be able to say, yeah, you rode your bike on some of those bridges today too, didn't you? <laughs> How are you possibly ready? There's no... Look, we had a decent prep meeting before our show. Here's where we're going to go. At no point in their prep meeting, which is five times the prep we do, did he say, I'm going to uncork a litany on the bridges of Portland. <laughs> Be ready. Yeah, yeah right. I'm going to find a moment when Miles uh, Bridge or Miles Bridges. Bridges. Miles Bridges has the ball. And I'm with, sorry. Now I'm Miles losing Turner it is where you're going with Yes, that. I was a yeah. little bit. I'm going to I'm going to pick a moment. When Miles Bridges has the ball, and I'm or, going bridge rant, and I am I am going to go full on bridge rant. You don't think that was prepared? The best Walton story, I'll be very sure, because I don't want to cut stuff off. You've heard the story with with um, John Wooden. He, he grew up a beard, yep. and Wooden had a no facial hair, and he comes back his senior year. I'm keeping my beard. I know it's coach's rule. I'm keeping my beard, and that's it. I'm a senior, and I'm all American. I'm going to do this. And he sits down. He goes in, and he's ready. He's got his argument for Wooden. You've told us to be individuals, and this is who I am. And, and strict team rule, no facial hair. And, and Wooden hears the whole thing and turns to Walton and says, Bill, first of all, I want you to know I, I greatly respect 
your individuality and, and the decision and the thought and the commitment you've made to, to being your own person. I also want you to know the team is going to miss you very badly. Let's talk about another individual, Rob Gronkowski. Scored yeah. a touchdown yesterday. Brandon Cooks, wide receiver of the uh, Patriots, hopped on his back, and they did a little riding the bull, riding the pony kind of deal. <laughs> that was a cute little touchdown celebration, and Gronk was asked about it afterwards. I think he got a word from his coach, too. Oh, yeah, we got yelled at. We're not allowed to talk about celebrations. Uh, that's what we got told, but I kind of want to talk about it. But I kind of don't because I'll get in trouble. So I don't know what to do. So uh, it just happened on the spot. It wasn't planned. We'll just keep it there. <laughs> so Bill Belichick, <laughs> Mr. No Fun, has now decided to say, okay, fine, guys. The NFL has deemed group celebrations and using the ball as a prop appropriate. I, on the other hand, do not believe there should be any fun in football. Therefore, do not talk about your celebration. You can celebrate, but I don't want to hear any word about it afterwards. We're on to the next touchdown. <sighs> I love Gronk. Unqualified. I love Gronk. What you saw there was the eight-year-old that so wants to go out and jump in the mud. During yes, the he race. does. Mm -hmm. But he's been told by mom and dad, if you do it again, you will not leave the house. I want to go. The puddles look so fun, and they're muddy. And and I'm wearing white. Oh, the splashes <laughs> I could make out there. Churches in an hour. Oh, it, it, he's the puppy that wants to chase the car. Oh, man. It makes a noise, and it goes by our house every day, and I know I could catch it, but I'm going to get yelled at. <laughs> Thank God he can vocalize it too. The, Everything that's going, <laughs> I want to do it, but oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Shoot. The, there's no filter. You're hearing his conscious thought mm -hmm. as is as it's processing Correct. in his massive head. <laughs> but he's also just got out of the post game locker room where Belichick was probably like, and I don't want to hear a word in the media at all about that jackass donkey celebration you guys did in the end zone. And they won. They no. did. No reason to be salty. Nope. They Never. won. It's, they're nine and two. They're cruising as usual. Did their jobs. Had a little, little fun. Little fun. No, no not New England. Never. <gasps> Gray Cup yesterday. I forgot about. I love yeah. Canadian football. I forgot it was on last uh, night. Toronto Argonauts over the Calgary Stampeders, twenty-seven twenty-four in a blizzard. It oh. was snowing in like, Calgary. You wouldn't Had believe it was in. in I Ottawa. think it's neutral oh, site. Ottawa, neutral yes. site. Yes. Okay. Come on, TD Place Stadium in Ottawa. <laughs> So, February 4th, Super Bowl, Our Backyard. Mm -hmm. Justin Timberlake is going to be the headliner halftime show. It'll be great. It'll be a nice little slice of Americana. If you had to guess what Canada oh, chose okay. for their Super Bowl, and give me a little bit of detail, not just, you know, the, 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 the star of the show, but maybe how that star arrived to the stage, what would be the most Canadian thing you could imagine? I mean, Snowmobile. It would be Rush. It would be the band Rush. Or Brian, a very good one. Or Brian Adams. Yes. Or, or Brian well Adams. The, the Canadian Bruce Springsteen. Mm -hmm. um, I, my guess is Snowmobile. Probably but, rolling up on a Labatt's beer truck. God, you guys are both really close. Really close. Aside from eating a uh, case of poutine and drinking Labatt's, you're about right. No. Shania Twain was the star oh, of the show. Oh, okay. The female Canadian Bruce Springsteen. Highest countries, uh, female country artist, selling country artist ever. You're great. Uh, can can Canada loves her. Or Canadian, whatever I was trying to say. Pulled to the stage, and remind you, it was snowing. Pulled to the stage on a dog sled. Oh, okay, that'll and work. And then helped close. out of that dog sled and onto the stage by a group of Canadian Mounties. 
Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's that paints a scene. With the wide brim? Yes. Nope. Snapping those salutes right off? That's exactly right. The red coats, the big old brim hats. You're right. That no. is Canada right no, there. No, I'm sure they don't have the production. Did product- they hand her a tumbler of Windsor Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they don't have the production. I didn't see it. The same production values as Super Bowl, which the halftime show has now gotten ridiculous. How, dog sled. You can't just find a dog sled in Ottawa on a spur of a moment. No, I had to have been booked. I'm sure it was booked out. Right? They know there was going to be snow. Well, what if they? Yeah, if they didn't, could they have gone over the uh, right. the field turf? Would that have worked? Well, you could probably make that happen. I, I don't. I don't know. Put it on wheels, like skate guards on the sled. That, I suppose that, you, or yeah. maybe they looked at the forecast on Thursday and said, "You know what? There's a really good chance. Let's book let's this. Let's just thing. roll the dice. Let's uh, let's pay the money now. Put the payment down, and uh, we'll hope for the best. Get the dogs in here. I guess auto in November is a safe bet. Although they're farther south than we are, as I always forget when you talk about Canada. A lot farther south than we are. Uh, all right, coming up next, uh, I want to talk to Brian Murphy. You know him as a columnist. You know him as a radio host. Now you know him as an author, and if you don't already, you will after the next segment. I want to talk about the, the project that you put together, Brian, that uh, was kind of cool for me to see, just as somebody that knows you, and we'll talk about the book you wrote, how it came to be. Uh, he's Brian Murphy. I'm Chris Long, Dave Harrigan producing. This is Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. <laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. They want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV. Join yes. John Height. Yeah, everybody does, but you're ineligible. Sorry, Long. Uh, join Height at Sports Page in Bloomington, 3 to 5 this Saturday for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Enjoy a nice cold one. Register to win that new TV. Put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com. And we, of course, come to you live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, which if we turned out the lights would still be well illuminated by our, is that 55 inches? Yes, it is. Our glorious 55-inch TCL TV. Uh, here's the thing I need Christmas. We may be doing the TV thing and, and I'm not just saying it cause it's sitting here. The Roku thing that I have no experience with by hearing Phil's reads for the Roku sounds legit. I, I use it. It's you'd like it. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a sweet deal. All right. So that's, I just, I like seeing this one in here. So, yep. So TCL, uh, where can we go to win that? But you said I can't win it. Well, you probably can't, but you can join oh. John Height sports page in Bloomington three to five Saturday. The book is called 100 Things Minnesota Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Gophers fans, it should be specific. Gophers fans. Yes, Minnesota fans is in maroon and gold, and there's gopher paraphernalia on the cover. Correct. You'll know it when you see it. The author is Brian Murphy, who coincidentally happens to be co-hosting here today. How about that? How did it come to be, and how different is it trying to write a book than write a column? Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, Discipline. Um, It came to me, uh, it was a project that... uh, Triumph Books had, and then you know it's part of a series of books that they they go through most college, most college programs, some pro teams as well. Basically, what they want is the 100 greatest anecdotes, personalities, uh, biographies, moments, um, uh, un- unexpected things, uh, traditions for whatever team or school that involves. They came to me now. It, it was odd because I I've been here 17 years and I've covered mostly the pro sports. Mm-hmm. I've not had a beat where I've been covering anything Gophers related. So uh, the fact that they came to me with this, there was like, no, no, don't worry about that. We just want somebody that can that's been in the market for a while and uh, can, can you know can help us tell these tales. 
I thought, all right, fine. So, you know, it sounded great, you know, and then you get locked into it, and then that deadline just looms. And 100 a big number. 100 a big number, but here's the thing. It was also one of those, if you felt like you were checking it off, so you were making progress. Oh, and I didn't necessarily go in order. I ranked them probably 1 through 20 was the, the, the bigger stories mm-hmm. that people would recognize. You know, 20 through 100 could have been gone, could have gone in any order. And it's not like I wrote it in that order. Um, in fact, Herb Brooks is number one on the list. Um, because of what he did for the Gophers program before taking over Team USA and, and leading that obvious uh, 1980 uh, gold medal victory that that everybody knows about. I knew I, that was going to be the last one I was going to do. It was going to be the longest one, and it was the one that I had to get right. So yeah. that was the one I did last. But the process was was basically, you know, it took me about two months of research because it was all research-based. I didn't really conduct any interviews mm-hmm. or go out and talk to people. This was all, these were all stories that were already known. I spent about two months doing research and about four to five months writing specifically writing i turned it in before last christmas so i knew it was going to be coming out this holiday God, season that's so different than what we do day oh to day, yeah day to day where the deadline is right there on top do of it you. today run it tomorrow and on to the next i mean they gave me basically 19 months to get it done i mean from the time i got from the initial conversations until the time i delivered it to them the manuscript um but it was an enjoyable process i learned a lot i mean there's so much gophers history that is kind of musty as it is we all know that, sure. especially football. Sure. So a lot of it I was learning on the fly, and a lot of it I was kind of understanding of how dominant a program they were in the 30s and how solid they were in the 60s and why fans are wanting that so much more because it just, it's just it been so long and there's a sense of will it ever be like that again. Um, it should also be noted that there's there's you know most of these books in most of these college markets focused on football and men's basketball because those, those are the marquee ones. And that's usually in, in a given market. That's, that's kind of... This, right or wrong, it. It is. This is the only book that has a hockey jersey on the cover yep. of it because there's plenty of hockey, both women's and men's, and women's and men's basketball. I've got a story on the 2002 golf team that was facing contraction and and won a national championship. Um, there's, a, there's a story about a gymnast who went on to work for uh, Cirque du Soleil. Um, so there's, there's all these kind of little pockets of information in there as well. I would expect that out of you to... Go a step beyond the norm. I like that. Um, I want to hear more about that. I, I want to talk more about this. I'll mention it in case we get up again. Let's talk more about this in the next segment. Okay. I want to talk about some of the stories to let people know. Part of the reason I'm bringing it up, it's a great Christmas gift. I've got one. Uh, you, Barnes & Noble, Majors & Quinn, or online, you can do Amazon, you know, Amazon, um, Kindle, and the U of M Bookstore. The U of M Bookstore on campus, correct. You'll know it when you see it. It's 100 Things Minnesota Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Look for the Maroon and Gold and look for Brian Murphy's name on it. Brian Murphy's name is on this show today. As with me, Chris Long, Dave Harrigan as well. We're filling in for Mackie and Judd. Uh, we'll talk about the two things I want to know. I want to know sort of the... If there was something that kind of surprised you, something you didn't know, I'll ask you about that in the next segment. And then uh, sort of what the fans may be most interested in reading. I mean, obviously, everybody does. Any countdown, you go right to number one. Sure. I did that when I first got the book. But there's some other stuff in there that I think even died in the wool fans would uh, be curious to hear. We're also going to talk at the top of the next hour. we got to get into it. We haven't yet. The Gopher basketball game against Alabama. If you didn't see it, and you probably didn't because it was on Facebook, it was Amazing, and we will chat about that coming up next on Maggie and Judd on 1500 ESPN.